Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Caproletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickle. And we're here today to talk to you about the 2017 film, A Wedding to Die For. It was great. I enjoyed it. Again, uh, as with some other films, saw it back then, enjoyed it just as much this time around. It was good. It was a good revisit. By the way, it's also known as Deadly Vows, so... In case you're looking forward by that name. That's the export name? Perhaps. Perhaps. Okay. Shall we cross the threshold <laughs> into this movie? Why not? Okay. So the movie opens with Helena as a brunette. And Helena's played by Brittany Underwood. Helena as a brunette kills George Irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, he's. you'll understand why in a second. At their wedding via a poisoned cupcake. Yes. And he dies on the altar. Very dramatic. Yes. And she whispers something to him like, Liar. (laughs) So you know it was deliberate. Yeah. (laughs) And not one of those accidental killings that you just like trip into. Um, (laughs) Oops, this poison accidentally fell into the cupcake that I baked you. Sure. You've seen recently from baking how easy it is to just knock poison into things. Yeah. The next scene is Helena as a blonde now, and she's a baker still, marrying Charlie. Who is played by Cameron Jebo. I'm going to pause right here. Helena has this eyes so wide open that you can see the whites all the way around the iris quality. That like white knuckle smile plastered on need to be loved, tightly wound, seething quality. There's a rigidity to her, but it's all with like a full Mr. Potato Head smile, like smacked onto her face, <laughs> Un- unmoving smile. And like, these wide eyes. So she is, I would describe as violently cheerful. <laughs> yes. Um, emphasis on the violent. Emphasis on the violent. Uh, but I also want to get into how she's costumed from the beginning. Because I think they did her perfectly for the character. Mm-hmm. So Demure does not do it. Prim and Proper hardly covers it. When we meet Helena the second time with Charlie, her new beau, she is wearing a tan and white polka dot fit and flare dress with pearl buttons all the way down and a lace Peter Pan collar and a taupe cardigan. This level of wholesome dressing is typically seen only when a woman is on trial for murdering her own children. (laughs) (laughs) Helena, I I thought of this as I was thinking about how she's costumed. Helena would actually be perfect for the professor in Kevin. Simon? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because she loves a fit and flare. She loves a like retro feminine look. She loves cooking. Yes. And she wants things. And baking. And she wants things to be just so. Mm -hmm. And he did too. So I actually feel like some of the problems we're encountering in the lifetime averse (laughs) is 
you know, not finding your one true soulmate. You you just haven't looked hard enough. Um, Perhaps there is a, a singles out there of Lifetime movie characters sure. that we can drop. Oh, I would ha- be happy to go through all the movies we watch and play matchmaker and say, like, this person <laughs> should go with... I think I actually frequently comment on who would be perfect for someone in another movie. <laughs> so... Helena is nervous and she's putting on her best polka dot dress because she's meeting Charlie's sister, Mm -hmm. Becca. Yep. Becca is played by Charlene Amoya. And we learn... I'm going to stop right here. Speaking of costuming, we know that Becca is sad and a divorcee. Yes. Because they dress her exclusively in like drab plaid shirts. And this is an attractive woman, but they they make her look depressed by just like shapeless plaid. Well, doesn't she get a, t- a flat tire on the way into yes. town to for her brother's wedding? And she, the guy who helps change her flat tire, she makes a comment about her marriage not working out or something like that. Yes, she. So right before the dinner, she gets a flat tire, and she basically tells the guy fixing her flat tire. Her entire life story because they want to cram in all of this information without having to do it in dialogue or revealing it later. But it didn't bother me. Yeah, it didn't bother me. It's just, you know, it's the nature of of the lifetime beast. Sometimes you need to have conversations that are like not plausible. And I found myself rooting for Becca's character too, um, just throughout the film. Yes, not because she dresses sadly and or has been divorced, been divorced but... though, or because she had a flat tire. Even she yeah. just the actress does a good job, and yeah. and the character is, you know, you want her to succeed because all she wants is for her brother to be happy and not, not be murdered, yes. which is you know, <laughs> easy to cheer for. Yeah. So at this dinner, after the flat tire. Helena and Becca meet for the first time. We do find out that Charlie's sister, Becca, is adopted. Yes. And that Helena was also an orphan. Um, is that the proper term anymore? It sounds so Dickensian. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> she also had been adopted, I believe. Yes. Not pleasant circumstances, but they don't really get into it. But the meeting between Becca and Helena goes badly. Oh, just to go back into a recurring theme, at least for me. So when she's doing something naughty, like poisoning the groom, brunette. But then she switches to blonde because now she's starting a fresh life and she's a saint again. Uh And Becca, who is portrayed... Not portrayed, but she's received negatively by her family for having doubts about this whirlwind romance. Yeah, it's been six months and they're already engaged. And they're already engaged and she has doubts and of course she's a brunette. You know, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have a blonde doing something like questioning a marriage. Blondes race to the altar. (laughs) They're always smiling. They're bubbly. They're Cinderella and brunettes are the evil stepsisters. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it goes badly this dinner, you know, uh, Becca in a way that I would finds Helena's sweetness to be covering something and overbearing as well. She is extremely overbearing. She starts calling her 
her sister within minutes of meeting her future sister-in-law. And that's despite uh, Becca making comments like, you're lucky, Charlie, none of your other girlfriends could even boil water. Sure. (laughs) I am on Helena's side in some moments throughout the movie. That is one instance I'm on Helena's side. It's poor form to bring up exes the first time you meet a current. Uh, Yeah. So this dinner goes badly for multiple reasons. You know, Becca doesn't like the whirlwind romance. She's suspicious of Helena and her cloying sweetness and overbearing personality. And then they, the family, well, Charlie's parents specifically, also invite a local wedding cake baker named Mrs. Mazurik to the house to drop off samples Mm -hmm. without having consulted Helena. Who by trade is a baker. Who by trade is a baker. And Helena gets so upset that she goes into the kitchen and smushes a cupcake with her hand and Becca catches it. Now, before we move on from this scene, I feel like there are multiple important things that we have to discuss (laughs) always. Matt and I both immediately noticed this, but at Charlie's parents' house, they have a cup of angel hair pasta just sitting on the counter at all times. <laughs> just like angel hair pasta in a drinking glass on the counter at all times. <laughs> that is their pasta receptacle. And it's always there. <laughs> I, I thought it was odd. No? Yeah, yeah. I've seen pasta displayed on countertops. Sure. Waiting to be cooked. But I've, glass jars sure, but I've never seen it in a drinking glass. Yes. Also, the dialogue throughout the movie with Charlie's family is very Truman Show. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you a snippet because it's not at all how humans talk, but it is exactly how Helena wants the world to be. Mm-hmm. Like Simon. Here's the dialogue. Becca says something about, she brings out her cupcakes, which I'll get into in a minute, obviously. And she says something to Charlie's parents about the fastest way to a man's heart being through his stomach. (laughs) And Charlie's mom says, but then you have to keep an eye on his stomach, looking at her husband's stomach as if he's, I don't know, gained weight or something. And Charlie's dad says, hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> it perfectly captures yeah. the like bland, perfect, sweet, superficial world that Helena really wants. Yeah. So the other thing I want to mention is that Mrs. Mazurik, when she comes into the scene, says Helena's cupcakes look store-bought, which they don't. Unless you are talking about a very high-end bakery, this is quality sugar work. Atop each cupcake is a sugar work flour that could not be done by machine. Mm -hmm. It is too delicate. But then she has the audacity, after being told that someone made these by hand, they were not store-bought, and the person was in the room when she said that thing, to ask to try one. Mm. Rude. Mrs. Mazurik. I will say, Helena's cupcakes are not for me. They're like 50% frosting. Uh-huh. They are frosting heavy. And they have those large sugar flowers on top. Are they structurally unsound was a question I had. <laughs> the flowers look like they could... Well, maybe that's what she was keying in on. That they, The flowers look like they could... 
fall off. They were very big and ornate flowers. Maybe that's where she hid the poison for George. What is the proper cupcake... To frosting ratio? Cake to frosting ratio on a cupcake for you. For me? Yeah. Uh, I'd say thin layer of frosting for me. What's a percentage? Let's let's nail a percentage onto this. Uh... 85-15. I was going to say 80-20, so we're pretty close. I like a little bit of frosting. If you've got a good buttercream, I'll, I'll eat it. But if you get up into like 70-30, 60-40 territory, even for me, it's a lot of sugar. Yeah, you know me. I'm not wild about frosting. I know, which is a shame because I make a really good buttercream. Yeah, yours is very good. I just don't need a schmear. By the way... Making buttercream frosting is basically so easy. I would let a toddler do it. It's That's not a brag. And it's not even my recipe. So, Okay, so after Helena has gotten upset that someone came in and said her handmade cupcakes look like store-made cupcakes, and she leaves the room to go smush one of them by hand. Uh, <laughs> not by machine. Not by machine. She does everything by hand. Charlie's mom says to Mrs. Mazurik something like, you know what brides are like before the wedding day, which one, no. It's a tired remark. It's so tired. It was tired even when this movie came out, which was not that long ago. I think the only time I ever did something I wouldn't have done during the wedding planning process was at our rehearsal. We had like 45 people in our wedding party (laughs) and I wanted to get to dinner because I was hungry. I wanted to get to the rehearsal dinner. And I said, I like shouted, get in line or something. Cause there were so many people and they were all spread out and talking to each other. And then I muttered under my breath. It's like hurting cats. And that was the only time I behaved in a way where I was like, that was a little rude. Probably wouldn't have done that, but I stand by it. It was like hurting cats. You had like 11 groomsmen. And I think I had seven bridesmaids and they were all over the place. It was like <laughs> trying to hurt cats. <laughs> and we're very appreciative of all the people who were in our world. I love every single one of those cats. In the cat v. dog debate, I'm a cat. Now, I'm a dog person, but I'm a cat temperament. Yes. <laughs> Talk on that on length, at length. But, so, no, brides don't act like lunatics leading up to their wedding day. This one has some issues but they're unrelated to the wedding and two helena was right i think the bride and groom in this case charlie and helena are entitled to decide on their own wedding cake who's going to make it what the flavors will be yeah whatever and even more so because she's a baker yeah she's of course even more entitled to an opinion about the cake yeah I think she should have been consulted. I felt I was on her side in that moment. Mm-hmm. Also, is Charlie a catch? Because on the subject of her baking, when he later describes the cake Helena is going to make for their wedding, which is a very simple three-tier cake with cupcakes on each of the tiers. There, I explained it. He acts like understanding this cake is like trying to understand the finer points of cryptocurrency. (laughs) I'm just not sure he's good enough. (laughs) And also on the subject of her being a baker, later when they're making that wedding cake, they make the cupcake batter and the cake batter 
without a hand mixer or a stand mixer. And if I was Becca, that would be my tip off that Helena is a weird grifter because a professional baker would have a hand mixer or a stand mixer and they'd probably have both. Mm -hmm. If it was your business, you wouldn't be making batter without the tools of the trade. With a whisk? Mm. Come off it. She's a purist, Liz. She's a purist. But the biggest thing is that in this scene, we meet at this dinner, which, yes, I realize we've talked about forever, but it is a long scene and you get introduced to a lot. Mm -hmm. This is where we meet Helena's alter ego. Yes. Her alter ego, which shows up numerous times throughout Mm -hmm. the film... That she speaks to her own reflection in the mirror. Yes. Uh, And it speaks back. Yes, it does. Although, truth be told, the acoustics of the alter ego speaking back... Rough. Yes. Difficult to understand exactly what her alter ego is saying. I told Matt it sounded like Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter film series, (laughs) except cranked up even higher, like the echoing was cranked up even higher, they could have toned it down just a smidge. I don't know that we even needed the echoing quality to understand Uh that this was like not a real conversation that was happening, but her inner self battling itself. Mm -hmm. Our issue with it was that there were a few scenes where she's talking to herself in the mirror and the mirror self talks and it's, You just fully can't understand what she's saying. Yeah. But the mirror self is against her. She thinks no one's ever going to love Helena. And she points out throughout the movie people who need to be... Taken care of. Taken care of. (laughs) So we move past this scene... But Mrs. Mazurik thinks she's seen Helena before. Mm -hmm. Helena denies it, but Mrs. Mazurik goes home and uh, does a little research. And she's calling to tell the family about Helena's past identity. And Helena comes in and kills her with a rolling pin. Yes. After remembering that she thought she had saw her, thought she had seen her, At the Toronto Bake Off, I believe she says. Yes, she does. It's important to note that during this scene, Helena is wearing a black trench because, you know, crime. Normally she wears this full skirted white jacket. Mm -hmm. The symbolism of the white white coat and black coat are pretty obvious. Mm. But on the subject of Mrs. Mazurik's death. Are Lifetime movies in general cautionary tales against being a nosy busybody? I think so. Don't stick your nose where it doesn't belong, Mrs. Mazurik. Sure. Let the murderer go about their their business, <laughs> people. So then we continue on, you know, she's killed Mrs. Mazurik. She took a pair of vintage cake toppers yes. from the... Uh, which Miss Mrs. Mazurik said, oh, one of them looks just like you. Sure. I mean, she's a pretty blonde. Yeah. There's probably there a cake There are a lot topper. of cake toppers that look like her. Fewer, uh, fewer ginger cake toppers, so <laughs> we, we had none. <laughs> so we move on, and 
you know, she's trying to complete the tasks leading up to the wedding. The next one being that she goes with Becca to meet the florist that the family has selected. A bit of confusion about this for me is that a woman like Helena would be deeply involved in the wedding. Even if she was trying to get in good with her in-laws and taking every suggestion they had. She would have a plan. She would have opinions. Yeah. She would have done some research, whatever. She, she would have a vision. She would have a vision. Now, Matt's saying that because we did a lot of venue tours leading up to our wedding. Well, I don't know what constitutes a lot. We did more than five, let's say. Matt loves a big wedding, so we really <laughs> wanted to... to Get it right. But at one of the venues we went to, the person from the event space walking us around sat us down and asked me specifically what my wedding vision was. (laughs) And the first word that came to mind was wedding. (laughs) I didn't have a vision. My vision was wedding. And you know what? We achieved vision. We achieved wedding. <laughs> we did. With nary a groom dying on the altar. No Thank one you. walked in and thought they were at a costume party. Yes. They knew they were at a wedding. So uh, the next step in this wedding planning process is to go to the florist that the family has picked, who already has a flower arrangement ready. Again, yeah. Helena would have had thoughts on the flowers. I have thoughts on the flowers. That did not look like a wedding floral arrangement Mm -hmm. to me. Come on, Monica. It was all white, and there were a lot of lilies. Mm. More of a a sympathy bouquet. Yes, I was going to say, I I could be wrong, but I've been led to believe that white lilies are typically used for funerals Mm. in the United States. Now, I know flowers vary country to country, Mm -hmm. and colors vary country to country significantly, but... This is filmed in Buffalo, I think. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> so all U.S. rules apply. Um, <laughs> terms and conditions of United States apply. But so we learn... That Monica used to date Charlie. Monica is the florist. Yes. They used to date like seven years ago, and she's married now. Uh-huh. And we also learn later on through... Charlie's best man that they were close to getting engaged. Okay, so this is where I get into Helena has a point sometimes. Not all the time, not all the time. And I wouldn't whatever her reaction is, my reaction would be different. But what I will say is if you are if a florist is recommended to you by your future in-laws and the florist happens to be a former fiance of your groom they should at least give you a heads up that would be nice and in my opinion allow you to choose whether or not you would like to have an ex-fiance making the floral arrangements for the wedding i could see it being a little weird yeah it's this is not someone the person went on casual dates with i don't know if i would have reacted badly But it's also hard for me to imagine someone else basically planning my wedding. Because it seems like the in-laws are planning the wedding. Yeah. I mean, let's let's not forget, they've only known each other five or six months. Yes. And somehow, all these plans would have been made. And Helena moved from Amherst, I believe, it is said. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, somehow these plans are getting made and she's just being Going confronted with, with them. It. Yeah. It didn't seem particularly sensitive to yeah. send her to this florist without mentioning it. So next, after she's been alerted to this former flame, we see Charlie and Helena out on a date. Helena excuses herself to go to the restroom and comes back to see Charlie chatting with Monica and hugging. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Helena kills Monica and her husband. With a shovel. Wearing her black crime trench, naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Once she puts on that black coat, you better run. Yeah. You know something's up. So... We're going about wedding planning, wedding planning. How she disposes of the bodies, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. She's a baker who is very, very skilled also at disposing of bodies or not dispose. She doesn't dispose of them, but staging crime scenes in a way that she doesn't get caught. No one was the wiser with Mrs. Mazurk. And no one suspects her for the murder of Monica and her husband, except for Becca. Mm-hmm. So, you know. She's continuing her spree. But so we're going about wedding planning, and Becca finds it a little odd that Helena doesn't seem to have any friends. No one's really coming for the wedding from her former cities where she lived. So she creates a wedding website. She's supposedly a tech genius. Yes. For a so-called tech genius, this wedding website she creates looks like something a middle schooler would have made in computer class. But that's not. Have a GeoCities air about it. Just there was a little bit of like clip arty photoshoppy kind of you know <laughs> roughness about it for a tech genius. But I'm not a tech genius, so it was more sophisticated than anything I could have done. But so she posts this wedding website. You know, she says to be nice, but she's also kind of fishing to see if she can find anyone who's ever met this woman before she moved to town six months ago. Yeah. And her former husband, George, his brother sees the wedding website Mm -hmm. and contacts Becca and tells her that a previous husband died of carbon monoxide poisoning and George died on the altar. So she's got two past dead husbands and he agrees to come and confront her. Also, I wanted to mention that the mom calls Facebook face space in this. Yes. I thought Matt would, would appreciate that and probably noticed it. Not as much fun as Pal Zone, but it works. It's not. It's the one that's, that veers, I would say, most dangerously close to copyright infringement. But as I've said a million times, not a lawyer. Especially because Helena doesn't have a face space profile. No. Although, again, I have a face based profile and it looks like a <laughs> Russian butt. <laughs> like, looks like the fakest thing ever. It doesn't have to be Russian, it could be any bot. It looks like a bot. It looks like something that was created to generate more followers for another real person. A like farm? <laughs> yes. I look like part of a like farm. So then Becca sneaks to Helena's house during her bridal shower. Now, that bridal shower was rough. It was sparsely attended. Mm-hmm. One person I did want to point out was Charlie's friend, who's 
a friend slash realtor. He has a small plot line. We're not going to get into it. But I want to say that I've never seen someone so miscast in one of these. He has serious cop in a crime procedural energy. <laughs> and there's actually a cop at the end of this movie. He would have been so much better at that. Because realtor, I did not buy. You're he trying was to too... take Martin away from best man status? I am. He was too gruff for a realtor. You don't <laughs> imagine a realtor being like... You imagine them being like overly friendly, salesman-y type. At least that's how I picture them. Well, maybe he just... He knows that Helena's not a big fan of him, so... Maybe he's just calibrating accordingly. Okay, maybe, maybe. But so Becca leaves the party, says she's going to pick up Helena's wedding dress, Mm -hmm. and sneaks to Helena's house, and she sees Helena's birth certificate, but doesn't put any pieces of a puzzle together, Mm -hmm. and finds the missing cake toppers from Mrs. Mazurik's store. Yes. Meanwhile, Helena is at Charlie's family's house, baking and George's brother Glenn shows up to make good on his phone call to Becca and arrives at the house Helena pretends not to know who she is not to know who, who, who George is who, who, uh, Glenn. <laughs> who, who Glenn is we don't know who he is <laughs> even though he was the brother of the man she Killed at the altar nigh six months prior. Yes. Uh, and she asks how George is. After being reminded that George was her former yeah. husband. And then says, oh, he had one of my special cupcakes. <laughs> um, Those and- are the ones she injects with something. We don't know what. But yeah. again, she's an expert at baking chemistry, and staging crime scenes. Yes. <laughs> Continuing on. And so she smacks Glenn with a frying pan. Yes, a cast iron, uh, and, no less. Yes, and uh, Glenn collapses to the floor, is bloodied, and at this point, Charlie's parents and Charlie come back home, and uh, Helena pretends that Glenn attacked her. And... Beckett seizes this opportunity to tell the family Helena has been married twice before. And boy, does the family turn on Beckett for trying to ruin uh, Helena and Charlie's happiness. And because of all of the death, Charlie wants to push the wedding. And Helena feels her perfect life slipping away from her. And they have an argument. And Charlie, in the process, calls Becca crazy for all of her investigating of Helena and Helena whips around and says don't call Becca crazy (laughs) which is not how you'd expect it to go yeah and then later in the evening Helena gives poisoned cupcakes to Charlie and his parents and they're getting kind of drowsy and she puts on her wedding dress and comes down to show Charlie what he could have had. But now he, quote, needs to have an accident. Does he ever? And she says all she wanted was the love of a family and a sister. But he turned on her and Becca. And Becca comes home in the middle of these attempted murders 
and Helena says they don't need anyone else. They have each other and then reveals that she's Becca's real sister, her words, not mine. And Helena says that her family is her real family. So Helena freaks out when Becca says that she needs to be in a hospital. She says she won't ever go back to a hospital. She gets a chef's knife. And then... Becca delivers the coup de grace with a cupcake tray. Yes. And Helena falls into her wedding cake full of cake and cupcakes. So much hard work went into that. So sad. Yeah. So we get the resolution, which is that George is okay. He's going home. And the family asks Becca to forgive them over sandwiches. And (laughs) (laughs) Helena is in a hospital. She's hitting on an orderly. He says he has a sister. Helena says her sister is the joy of her life. And asks the orderly if he's thought about getting married. He says he probably would if he found the right girl. All the while, she's clutching the cake toppers, which I'm sure they would have let her keep. <laughs> would, would definitely not have been evidence in a trial for Mrs. Mazurik's death. Mrs. Mazurik would have wanted her to have those. Sure. And she turns out the window after the orderly leaves, and she sees the mirror self she's been arguing with the entire movie walking free. And that's the end of the movie. A thoroughly satisfying romp. (laughs) So because of many things, specifically the mirror self, I think we should rate Helena on the Eric Roberts scale of excellence. I'll let you go first. I... I would rate her somewhat high. Okay. Um, I would put her... At, I think, I mean, not quite all the way get ready for surgery, but uh, I think at least nobody cares. She's nobody cares for me. She's not full smelling American Girl doll clothes. Okay, so you have a mirror self you argue with. Mm -hmm. Big whoop. (laughs) That mirror self does not have a Mai Tai. The mirror self only laughs at you and you imagine shattered glass. And you talk to the groom cake topper, fine. And you smash a cupcake. But this is really, first of all, the mirror self's not funny. None of it. This is funny. Yeah. Even when it's supposed to be, you know, hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> None of it's funny. Yes. So that takes it down some notches. And it wasn't, nothing was so wild that I would put it up to smelling American Girl doll clothes or get ready for surgery. Yeah. However, I felt like Helena did the whole sweet but white knuckle tight control thing very well. Yeah, I thought the acting was good. I thought she did a good job. Yeah. I thought the freakouts were well timed mm-hmm. and and seething. But it was a more controlled. Everything was controlled because yes. she was so controlled. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the looseness of a laid back back yes. in the alter ego even. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I that's what keeps it down for me to like a nobody cares. Yeah. Which is the fourth level for those of you yes. who have not committed the but Eric I, Roberts scale of excellence. But I believe it goes above a why do you hate me because she has the mirror self. They have so many conversations. Mm-hmm. She does things like smoosh cupcakes. 
in anger. She talks to a cake topper. She steals a cake topper. And she has a high body count. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, it's all there seething beneath the surface. Yes. And brava to Brittany Underwood for her role for in rising, inhabiting this character. Rising to the challenge. Yes. So, Mad had trivia this week. Yes. And Brittany Underwood has been in one of the films we've done before. Yes. In The Bachelor Next Door. She played Sage. Yes. The sister who tries to get it going with Donnie. Uh-huh. Only to have him say her sister's name in bed. Yeah. At a cabin. Natch. <laughs> This one didn't have a cabin, but I guarantee you if they'd gotten married, a cabin would have arisen for his inevitable murder. (laughs) Just outside of Buffalo. Yes. There are cabins outside of Buffalo. I'm sure. I've never been, but I'm certain of it. (laughs) So the first piece of trivia I found out about Brittany Underwood, I thought was kind of fun. And that was... Uh, that she auditioned for a very notable Disney Channel uh, character, title high, character. High school musical. <laughs> high school musical. <laughs> uh, in this show, the uh, name of the character is also the oh, name of the Oh, Hannah show. Montana. Yes. Is she the same age as Miley Cyrus? That's what I was saying. I, I thought she was... Listen, I'm not saying she's old. Mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus isn't old. I'm, I thought she was maybe five years older than Miley Cyrus. I thought so, too. And that may very well be the case. Okay. Um, Continuing on. This was a tidbit I think we have talked about before, that she was in a political movie called Game Change. Oh, yes, we've talked we, about We talked that. about her playing yes. Willow Palin, right? Yes, and I um, forgot it until uh, you mentioned it again. Uh, she also has an EP out. Uh, she released... Uh, a number of songs in 2012. And one of her songs is called High Heels, High Hopes. And it's available on iTunes and and YouTube. I have not listened to it, but I plan to. Okay. (laughs) Um, Is it a country song? uh, I'm not sure. Or pop? That's a good question. And I guess my question is... I'm going to say pop because some of her other songs are Pull Me In Again, Black Widow, California Wild. I don't know. That says pop to me. California says pop to me. Do you think that song is written about a first date? I don't know. Like you're putting on high heels and you have high hopes for the date. Could be. Okay. Anyway. uh, On we go to Charlene Amoya, who plays Becca. Okay. As we said before, thought she did a really good good job. Good job. Um, I recognized her from uh, a TV show I watched. She was on How I Met Your Mother mm. as Wendy the waitress, who was the recurring waitress character when the main characters all gathered at their bar McLaren's. Okay. Um, and apparently her role of Wendy the waitress was only supposed to be a one-time role, but they liked her so much that they had her be a recurring character. Sure. Uh, She also got her start in modeling uh, by working as a Nine West shoe model. Okay. She's got nice feet. Is she on wiki feet? (laughs) I don't know. Didn't get that far into the trivia. Cameron Gibo, who plays Charlie. Okay. So 
obviously we'd seen him recently yes, in other right. Lifetime movies like The Stranger She Brought Home. He was in Killer Single Dad. But what I want to talk about principally is the fact that he played Orion, the silver super Mega Force Ranger in Power Rangers Mega Force. We've had a lot of Power Rangers <laughs> trivia. We can't stay away from them. Okay. And this tidbit. So- soaps and Power Rangers seem to be where Lifetime actors get cast from. <laughs> Uh, according to Ranger Wiki, although Jibo did enjoy playing Orion, he had not been fully satisfied with the character's amount of development, as well as how the Super Megaphor season concluded. What a shame. Yeah. It's tough to find character development in Power Rangers, I would assume. But haven't seen it, so don't want to prejudge. And then two just quick things. The realtor friend, Martin, mm-hmm. who was played by Gerald Webb. The one who had crime procedural energy. Yes, yes. He might have been in some crime procedurals. He, I guarantee, if he has not been, sir, I beg of you, <laughs> ask your agent to be sending you on those auditions. You yeah. gave me cop energy mm-hmm. from the jump. You should be on like a SVU or... You know, Chris Maloney, I think, has a new Law & Order spinoff. See if we can get on that. CSI. I mean, Blue Bloods. You mm-hmm. know, let's find you a show because you've got the right energy for it. <laughs> so what I wanted to highlight about two of the films in his of uh, <laughs> that he was in both Sharknado 2, the second one. Okay. And Blood Lake, Attack of the Killer Lampreys. Okay. So if you've got a movie with sea monsters... Apparently Gerald Webb, he's your guy. Now, do we know if he played cops in those? Because uh, again, I, I, sir, I don't know what it is about you that gives me that energy, but it was there. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and he was actually in like Barry. Okay. And, and some other. Uh, oh, was he a cop in Barry? <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm getting big. Yes. Cop. He yeah, he played a cop in he, Barry and yeah. I've seen it. So I... I, he immediately read his cop to me because I remembered him yeah. from something else. He's been a sergeant on 911. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's something very... I knew I wasn't wrong, but also I oh, had yeah. been conditioned to think of him as a cop because Criminal I'd seen him in Barry. Criminal minds borders. He was in okay. NCIS Los Angeles. Okay. Okay. I take it back. I take it back. Your agent is doing a great job sending you out for these yeah. roles. Um. Okay. Let's... Moving on. We don't need to fact check for those two roles. Last thing, uh, Glenn, uh, the... uh, Oh, yeah, the brother of the first dead, or second dead husband. His name is Scott Thomas Reynolds, and keeping with this theme of sea monster films, he was in a movie called Jersey Shore Shark Attack in 2012. Okay. Which I'm surprised that I haven't seen, given that it contained Vinny Guadagnino of Jersey Shore... As well as Joey Fatone. Hmm. Neither of them were principals, by the way. They were just happened to be in this Jersey no, Shore. No, they, they got paid a ton of money to just show up. Yeah. So. Um, you gotta wonder if those NSYNC guys ever look around and they're like, how do I match Justin's career? <laughs> None of them seem to have made the transition from like, pop band to current singer and their acting role like Lance Bass had a had a romantic comedy called On the Line 
And it was probably the worst thing that's ever happened in the city of Chicago. And I stand by that. (laughs) Worse than the fire? Worse than the fire. Uh, You know, Chicagoans, I'm sure you agree with me on that. You know, the city's greatest tragedy. Um, (laughs) But yeah, their careers... Um, have been interesting, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, they wrote my favorite Christmas song, so I only want the best for them. Yeah. If you did not listen to our Christmas episode, my favorite Christmas song of all time is In Sync's Under My Tree. And if you don't listen to it, it's because you have some internalized self-hatred. Because it is the funniest song you'll ever hear. It's about people wanting to have sex while Santa's watching. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire (laughs) life. It makes me so happy every time I listen to it. I only listen to it during the Christmas season, which is the only appropriate time to listen to Christmas music. But when I do listen to Christmas music, I turn to that hard. (laughs) Wait, no, that sounds so inappropriate. I turn to that often. Yes. (laughs) So I guess what I'm saying is... I don't care if you want to be in these little, you know, Jersey Shore movies or whatever, but I need a reunion tour specifically for Christmas music that I can <laughs> attend. I don't want to hear tearing up my heart. Don't go to the hits like, you know, New Kids on the Block or the Backstreet Boys. I want you reunited. I want it to be a Christmas tour and I want you to play Under My Tree twice. Not once, twice. <laughs> Open and close. Well, once in the show and once in the encore? <laughs> yes. If I were writing an obituary for any of the NSYNC members, it's the first thing I would mention. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I love this song. Now, is that a popular opinion? No. No. I mean, they have a they have a department at the New York Times that prepares in advance obituaries for people who are notable notable yeah you know politicians actors whatever i have a guess as to which if any of the in sync members have a pre obituary <laughs> i'm sure you do too and i'm guessing that the department is going to lead with something else in the headline. Yes. But to me, that is the headline item. <laughs> Singer of Under My Tree. <laughs> All right. That's trivia. Uh-huh. And that's a wedding to die for. Was it ever. <laughs> Do you want more insane musings? I'm not done. <laughs> I'll stop recording and I'll just save them for Matt. <laughs> well, now that I have Under My Tree in my head. We won't sing it because someone would sue us. This podcast is huge. They would come after us for all of the zero dollars we make off of this. And I don't want to spoil it for you. That's the other thing. I want you to, I mean, I can't mention it enough. There are a few songs we've mentioned over the course of this podcast. We've mentioned Aqua. We've mentioned Under My Tree. We've now mentioned Under My Tree multiple times. Mm -hmm. Just listen to it yourself. And if you don't think it's funny, we're not friends anymore. That's all there is to it. (laughs) All right, you done? Yep. Okay. 
If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.